Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Joe Rosenstein, and I am a professor of mathematics at Rutgers University and the author of Sidur 8 Ratzon and Machzor 8 Ratzon. Today we will be studying Tractate Rosh Hashanah, Daf 35, Lamed Hay. This Daf is the final Daf of Chapter 4, and the final daf of Tractate Rosh Hashanah. In general, a daf of the Talmud consists of two sides of the page. But today's daf is about a quarter of the usual daf, since it only takes up about half of one side. So I'll restrict my remarks to two or three minutes instead of the usual ten plus minutes. Just kidding. There's still plenty to say about Rosh Hashanah. Before looking at today's daf, Let's complete our discussion of the previous Daf's analysis of the shofar sounds. In that analysis, dating from the 4th century, they understand the trua sounds as wailing, what we call shivarim, and sobbing, what we call trua. You may ask, wasn't the trua supposed to be a joyful sound? What's all this about sighing and ululating? The sounds may not have been different from those used in ancient times, but by the 4th century, the interpretation of those sounds had changed. Apparently, the tradition of joyful sounds on Rosh Hashanah had disappeared. Indeed, the previous conceptions of Rosh Hashanah had been superseded by a new perspective, alluded to in previous sessions, that recast Rosh Hashanah as a time for judgment and transformed the shofar sounds from joyful to serious. This new perspective affected the liturgy in a number of ways, including the blowing of the shofar. Let us take a moment to review the other changes that had been made. While the temple stood, they understood the Zichronot verses as reminders to God to remember the covenant, and described God as Zocher Habrit. The day was called Yom HaZikaron, the day that God remembers, as exemplified by the Torah reading for Rosh Hashanah that begins Badonai Pakadet Sarah Kasher Amar, and God remembered Sarah, as God had promised, and by the Haftarah, in which God remembers Chana by Yiskereha Adonai, and God grants both Sarah and Chana the sons that they prayed for. The message of Yom Hazikaron is God answer the prayers of your people as you have promised. Afterwards, by adding introductory and concluding paragraphs to the Zichronot verses, that portion of the prayer service was instead refocused on God remembering our deeds. Perhaps it was too difficult for the rabbis of the Talmudic period to focus on the one, on God as the one who remembers the covenant, since God did not intervene when the temple was being destroyed. So they focused instead on our sins, and introduced the idea of Mipnei Chata'enu Galinu Me'artzenu Because of our sins, we are exiled from our land. While in temple times the shofar may have been blown to remind God of the covenant, 
Afterwards, it seems to be understood as a recognition of our sinfulness. Phrases that asked God to remember us for life were inserted in four places of every Amidah. And of course, Halil was abolished by Rabbi Abahu, the same rabbi who reinterpreted the sounds of the shofar as mournful tones. This new understanding continued to develop over the subsequent centuries. By the Middle Ages, when the Natanah Tokif was written and introduced into the Ashkenazic liturgy, the fate of Rosh Hashanah had been sealed. Its primary purpose was to foreshadow Yom Kippur. It was no longer a festival, but the first of the, quote, ten days of repentance, unquote, a term that does not occur in the Talmud or the Rosh Hashanah liturgy and only became widely used after it appeared in the 13th century code, the Arba Turim of Rabbi Jacob ben Asher. Uh, although Maimonides, in his tra- treatise on Tshuva in the Mishnah Torah, speaks of the ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur as an appropriate time for Teshuva, he never refers to these days as Aseret Yemei Tshuva, the ten days of repentance. Thankfully, since the Mishnah refers to Rosh Hashanah a number of times as Yom Tov Shel Rosh Hashanah, it has not been completely transformed. We still, we still celebrate Rosh Hashanah with food, although we no longer celebrate it with liturgy. Perhaps it is time for us to reconsider the purpose of Rosh Hashanah, to try to decouple it from Yom Kippur, to remind God of the covenant, and to restore some celebration and joy to the Rosh Hashanah liturgy. I have tried to do that in my Machzor, Machzor Eid Ratzon. Among the concrete steps that should be considered are decreasing the centrality of Unatana Tokef, which many see as a blame-the-victim piece of liturgy, adding a celebration of the new year, including in the shofar service a call to God to fulfill the covenant, and reinstating the practice of reciting Hallel, which, as it happens, can be found in my Machzor. That certainly sounds like the conclusion to this session, but we have unfinished business, namely to complete today's daf. The last part of the Mishnah, the last part of the last Mishnah reads, just as the Shaliach Sibur, the service leader, is obligated to recite the Amidah, so also each person is obligated to recite the Amidah. Rabbi Gamliel says that the Shaliach Sibur relieves the public of their obligation, Motsi et harabim it is puzzling that these statements appear in a Mishnah that discusses the Shofar and that they simly, sim- seemingly have nothing to do with Rosh Hashanah. But it does raise the question of why the Amidah is repeated, particularly if each person is obligated to say it privately. Let us see how the Gemara deals with these questions. Recall that a Braita is a statement from the time of the Mishnah, which was not included in the Mishnah, but is nevertheless authoritative. After repeating this portion of the Mishnah, the Gemara records the following Brita. As I read it, keep in mind that at this time the prayers were recited from memory, not from printed texts, and that although the outline of the Amidah was fixed, each person may have used different words to fill in that outline. Here's part one of the Brita. The rabbi said to Raman Gamliel, if your opinion is correct, that the Shaliach Tzibur relieves the public of their obligation, then why does the congregation pray silently, since the Shaliach Tzibur says the prayers out loud? He replied, that gives the Shaliach Tzibur the time to prepare his prayers. That is, while we are all reciting the Amidah silently, 
the Shaliyah Sibur is conducting a private dress rehearsal for the public prayers. Since no objection is raised to Raman Gamliel, it appears that his response is successful. Here's part two of the Brayta, the other, the other direction. Rabbi Gamliel said to the anonymous rabbis, if your opinion is correct, that each person is obligated to recite the Amidah, then why does the Shaliyah Tzibur repeat the Amidah? They replied, to discharge the obligation of those who can't recite the prayers. Rabbi Gamliel said, since the Shaliyah Tzibur can relieve the obligation of those unfamiliar with the prayers, so too the Shaliyah Tzibur can relieve the obligation of those familiar with the prayers. Again, it appears that Rabban Gamliel's argument is successful. So who wins this dispute? Well, there's a dispute about that. Some say that since Rabban Gamliel has the last word in this Brayta, that the rabbis conceded to him. Whereas others say that they didn't concede to him. The issue of whether the rabbis conceded to Rabban Gamliel or not takes up essentially all of Daf 35 and includes a multi-generational discussion involving, in order of appearance, Rabbi Bar Barchana, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Chia, the son of Rabbi Bar Nachmani, Rabbi Dimi Barchanina, Reish Lakish, Rabbi Chana of Tzipori, Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzchak, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Chanani, the name of Rav, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Rabbi Acha ben Avira, Rabbi Shimon Chasida, Abba, the son of Rabbi Binyamin Bar Chia, Ravin and Rabbi Yaakov Bar-Idi, an amazing cast of characters. And the issue that they were debating was simply whether the other rabbis conceded to Rabbi Gamliel, who was the leading rabbi of his time. What did they decide? They didn't. But these are practical questions, so answers are necessary. The halacha reflects the following compromise. It follows Rabbi Gamliel on Rosh Hashanah. Since the prayers in the Amidah are complicated and unfamiliar, when the Shaliyah Tzibur recites the Amidah, that fulfills everyone's obligation. But the Halacha follows the rabbis the rest of the year, since the prayers during the rest of the year are familiar and uncomplicated. Everyone who can do so should recite the prayers on their own, and not expect that their obligation will be fulfilled by listening to the Shaliyah Tzibur's repetition of the Amidah. We have now completed today's page. We've completed chapter 4, and we have completed the tractate of Rosh Hashanah. Speaking to the tractate, and to chapter 4, which begins the word with the words, Yom Tov Shel Rosh Hashanah, we say, Hadran Alach, Perak Yom Tov. May we return again to you, chapter Yom Tov. Hadran Alach, Masechet Rosh Hashanah, May we return to you and study you more deeply, Tractate Rosh Hashanah. And we conclude with a traditional prayer, Yihiratzon lefanecha Adonai Elohai Velohei Avotai Vimotai May it be your will, our God, and God of our fathers and our mothers, that just as you have enabled us to complete Tractate Rosh Hashanah, so may you help us to begin and complete other tractates and holy books, to learn and to teach, to lovingly observe and fulfill all the enduring words that are in the teachings of your Torah. Amen. Completing a tractate is traditionally a cause for celebration, which for Jews, of course, means food and drink. 
I have uploaded various refreshments to Jcast Network, and I invite you to partake of them with me, or to provide your own if you are unable to download mine. L'chaim! It has been a pleasure for me to prepare and present these sessions, and I hope that you have enjoyed them as well. Until we meet again, Shalom. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.